0: Welcome to the Rise Up Network, I'm your host James Carmody, this is episode 178, The Rise Up Network is committed to sharing the stories of servant leaders, servant leaders that are out there in the marketplace, in the community, making a difference, impacting others, and it's the Rise Up Network's job, privilege, and opportunity to share the good news. We have a great servant leader that is making a big difference here locally in San Diego, in a topic that... Maybe a little sensitive, but it's time for a mature conversation and how we can rise up together as a community and make a difference. I have the executive director and co-founder of the Alabaster Jar Project in studio with me, Susan Johnson. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. What you're doing is is so meaningful and so impactful. And we're going to talk about, you know, talk about the Alabaster Jar Project, the importance of it, what we can do to support you. But before we even dive into that, you know, Maybe share a little bit of your background, Susan, with our network.
1: Um, well, I, I learned about uh, Rise Up Network through um, a, a veteran. Uh, my husband is um, a veteran of the United, United States Marine Corps. And uh, we met um, another person at church, actually. And um, we learned about Rise Up. And I think it's very powerful, just the messages and um, the media that you guys produce to um promote servant leadership and in the community.
0: Thank you. Thank you, you know, it's it, I look at it as it's, you know, it is going the opposite direction of the mainstream media and there's so much good news out there being done on a daily basis here in our local market of San Diego to around the country and around the world that never gets heard. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that one person will hear this, see this, and say, you know what, I can go make a difference.
1: It's that and, pebble that starts the ripple. Yeah,
0: and it starts with one and it's one simple act of kindness that's really how it all starts. You know. Yeah. So the Alamaster Jar project, obviously very important topic. How did how did you get here? What's You know, what's your background? You know, where did you go to school and what's your professional career been like?
1: (laughs) Well, I I started out in in ministry, really. Um, The desire to help women who've been trafficked and exploited stems from early childhood um, exposure and vulnerability. Yeah. Um, I actually was uh, raised in Oceanside, Camp Pendleton, and um, as an adolescent and a a teenager, was exposed to and had friends that, you know, back then there wasn't a term trafficking. Um, but I had friends that were being exploited. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and coming um, back to Southern California and learning what the term was, I thought, wow, I was so close to this. I understand completely what, what, it, what it looks like and how somebody can fall um, prey to it mm-hmm. um, and get sucked into it. Um, I also kind of understood the dynamic of uh, the women that needed help getting out of it. Um, and that was my passion in ministry, um, working with women in Bible study groups and wanting them to understand their value, um, how God sees them, um, as precious daughters, as, um, precious pearls. Mm. And, um, having come to that own realization in myself personally, I wanted to share it with others. Um, so really the Alabaster Jar Project really started out of the ministry, yeah. um, out of, um, ministering to women and telling them that they're loved and valued and, um, helping out what, with tangible items that they needed.
0: What are, you know, give us some stats, you know, so people can kind of get up to speed a little bit. What's the what's the reality of what's going on here?
1: So in San Diego, we've actually been identified as the eighth largest um, area in the United States with the issue of commercial sexual exploitation of children. So that means um, typically the average age of entry into sex trafficking in San Diego which is mostly domestic. Um, over 80% of the individuals being sex trafficked are here from the United States. Are girls from our own neighborhoods? Um, we're the eighth largest in the United States with this issue, and that's wow. just that's just that's just counting the minors that have been sucked into it. So um, we help the women that once upon a time were those minors and now are adults, but they've been in this underground industry um, with coming out of that with traum- traumatic experiences um, sure. PTSD with complex trauma um, they have limited life skills limited um, employment skills no positive employment history and uh, a lot of times there's they're coping with PTSD anxiety depression um, and trying to re-enter into the workforce with um, basically no skills so this rate of recidivism um, the obstacles that they face it leads them back to the street because there's mm. no bridge there's no bridge to help them, and that's what we're here to be. We're so here you to fall be that back bridge.
0: into what's familiar right wow, wow, okay, and do we know like what the statistics are like you know how many cases there are in San Diego a year, or how many women or young girls are involved? What does that look like so
1: um there was an executive uh, research study that was done mm. over the course of three years. Um, Professor Jamie Gates from Point Loma Nazarene University and Professor Amy Gates. Carpenter yeah. from um, USD—they worked on a, um, a three-year study to, uh, you know, just um, research what the dynamics were here in San Diego. And so, the um, there's approximately the illicit industry happening here in San Diego. Is about 810 million dollars annually. That's more than what the Padres sold for. Um, it's about three to four thousand victims um, each year. Wow. Um, we have about 1,400 1,400 victims monthly, um, and we only have about 33 designated beds um, to help house these victims that are that are identified yeah. um, in all of San Diego. And our program, we. We have six of those beds um, in a long-term program. Um, We also have a resource center that helps provide um, drop-in case management, clothing, tangible items, and a peer support group.
0: Wow, wow, so I mean, you know, the numbers sound, the numbers are the numbers, but there's, it, it just seems like there's a big gap in what services are readily available and what the reality of the issue at hand is. Yes. You know, and then, and then the Alimaster Jar Project is is primarily focusing on women trying to reintegrate back into society. Right. So after you know they've already gone through.
1: Hell. <laughs> Hell on earth. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Through you know through, the system so to speak, the mm-hmm. process, and are now like, okay, how do I how do I become, an adult that actually self sustains and right. contributes.
1: Right. Um, that's what we do there are so many there are um, a handful of organizations uh, really fighting behind this issue the anti-trafficking movement here in San Diego Um, there's actually an advisory board um, the the County Board of Supervisors um, formed formed this board Um, Summer Stefan understands um, and the dynamics and we love having um, her on our side you know, there's so many amazing organizations, including um, Professor Jamie Gates, he's actually the the committee chair for the research and data uh, arm of the um, Human Trafficking um, Advisory Board in San Diego. Um, So there are organizations that are doing something. Um, Of course, the the biggest issue, you know, the root causes of it um, ultimately are greed and lust, Mm. um, which means prevention. If there was no demand, there would be no supply. So, that, you know, there are so many different aspects in how you can help um, raise awareness, how you can help assist victims, how you can help um, service providers and, and provide resources. All of it is needed.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, before we even, you know, d- dive into that, I want to look at, like, so we have, we have this going on. We have, obviously, a big gap is it, you know, are there other, what does the support look like? I mean, is it just you guys for like post-trauma support? Are there other organizations that are, are doing this, kind of boots on the ground efforts?
1: Yes, actually, um, I learned of Generate Hope um, started volunteering with that organization. Yeah. Absolutely love them. Um, Susan Mency is the director there. And just I'm I'm a fangirl of, of Susan Mency. She's she's amazing. She's also a survivor leader mm. um, and a dynamic social worker. Um, and the program that she runs uh, is amazing and very trauma-informed. Um, but it, it's eight beds. Um, it's, yeah. you know, in, in South County. And I said, I'm from North County and we need to duplicate something like this up in North County yeah. um, because I knew from, from my own experiences that it was an issue and it still is an issue. Um, but uh, you know, there really weren't any resources up there. Um, there were a couple Catholic sisters that um, sister Sheila and sister Jean um, who had um, a residential home called Hope House and uh, they, they wanted to retire. Um, and so they actually, Helped us in start in taking in opening up Grace House, which is our long-term uh, residential program. Mm. Um, they um, handed it over to us, and then they they their organization provided us the rent for the first year. Um, okay. So it, you and know how long goes?
0: This? When did you that start? was in 2000.
1: Well, we started in 2000. Um, we incorporated in 2013, and I literally was providing services, uh, clothing, and toiletries, and helping women get to appointments um, out of the trunk of my car. Sure. a yeah. <laughs> mobile hotspot out of a little closet at the church um we ended up getting borrowed space at a another church that we could host support group out of and have uh, all the clothing donations get out of my garage and out of my trunk of my car uh, that became our first resource center in 2015. Um, we started housing our first two women out of a two-bedroom apartment in 2015 and then in 2016 the sisters of hope house um they transitioned and allowed us to take over and open up Grace House in 2016 wow. so we we've um, we're still a small nonprofit um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know our operating budget is still very small we're spread thin a lot it takes a lot of us uh, to um, to get done a lot of volunteers um, that help out and provide services and we're always on on looking for more um, but um, with that, we've been able to open up a house and have our resource center. We've been able to also have that apartment that we started with. We still yeah. have that apartment. One one woman with her child lives there, and she pays half the rent, um, helping her gain that rental history um, so that she can then move and own, you know get her own place at a, at a later time, yep. um, helping her with that self-sufficiency. But we've been able to help um, over 250 women in the past um, – six years.
0: Good for you. That's making a difference.
1: It takes a village, it takes a community, it really takes, um, there's been a lot of volunteers that have helped with that.
0: Yeah. What do what the services look like that you provide? I know you started this and it's like, hey, I'm trying to help you get to appointments. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a wide range of needs.
1: Yes, um, the biggest and the most, I think the most impactful is our peer support group, um, which is peer led. Um, We started out consulting with survivors and saying what is most important um, to survivors from their standpoint, um, and adopting some of the curriculums they felt were important. Um, But for the women to have a a community where they feel accepted, um, where they feel valued, where they feel like there's no judgment, You know, we we, at one point we had somebody that came into Grace house who was not a trafficking survivor. They thought she had been, but but then it was ruled once they did the investigation that she hadn't been. Um, And it was more of a domestic violence situation. And um, while the abuse is very similar, um, her attitude towards the other women was different. Mm. Um, and we realized right away that that wasn't healthy for anybody involved. Um, the domestic violence individual needed to be around other domestic violence survivors and, and be able to heal in that fashion. And the women that had been trafficked needed to understand that there was nobody looking down on them or um, saying, well, you're different. Um, but to have that community of survivors um, in a welcoming environment is, is so impactful. Um, Our current client services um, director is a survivor leader in San Diego. Um, She actually was the peer support group facilitator from day one, uh, Marjorie Saylor, and dynamic individual, she's the president of the Survivor Leader Network here in San Diego. And um, I can tell you, when she took over as client services director, I got to see sit in the room when we had to counsel one of our new residents um, who had been through social service systems and kind of had this chip on her shoulder in regards to social workers and I think she thought Marjorie was a social worker and we had to counsel her because she was um, she wasn't following the rules and she was trying to you know do little things and so we said you know hey let's have a conversation about this and so she sat down for counseling and. I'm telling you, um, Marjorie listened to this uh, young woman's complaints, and she kind of had this attitude, you know, the, the, the client had this attitude, and, and she was saying, Marjorie, you don't know what it's like, you don't know what I've been through, and, and Marjorie just patiently listened, and then as soon as she had said all of her piece, Marjorie says, yeah, I do know where you've been through. Just mm. says nine years ago was right where you're sitting and there was this physical transformation in the, in the listener. She, she went from jaw drop shock to posture change and then respect. Mm. And I'm telling you, she has been, this individual, she was, um, she's 32 years old. She's working on her high school diploma. Mm-hmm. There's nobody more motivated. She has a whole year of sobriety. Um, she's, she's just, knocking down goal after goal after goal and i think the key key point and impact in her life was that other survivor leader that spoke up and said no oh, you can do this
0: phenomenal yes phenomenal how how do we help i mean <laughs> how do we get involved
1: uh, well, there's so many ways. Um, sharing about um, the issue at hand, um, mm-hmm. you know, advocating that it's not right to buy sex, um, that um, it that women are not communi- commodities. Or and it, and I I say that because we primarily help women, but there are men and boys that are being trafficked as well. Sure. Um, so it's not it's not okay to exploit individuals. Um, also, you know, primarily the majority of all our funding comes from individuals Mm. Um, and there's a lot that we can do with that Um, just providing empowerment and funding uh, resources connection to services um, community partners Um, the two biggest needs that women need coming out of trafficking are housing and employment Um, so maybe there's apprenticeships or job training programs or paid internships where we're we're looking at trying to start a social enterprise you know anybody out there want to help us (laughs) So there's lots of ways. Um, Number one, I'd say go to our website and learn more about us um, and learn more about the issue in San Diego.
0: And the website is?
1: alabasterjarproject.org
0: Got it, folks. So you want to write that down, put it in your phone, alabasterjarproject.org. We'll have that on our website, sdriseup.com. How about on social media? I know you guys are active there.
1: Yes, it's alabasterjarproject.
0: Okay, and Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of it.
1: Um, Twitter is at jar alabaster. Um, okay. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, I mean, Facebook and Instagram are Alabaster Jar Project.
0: Alabaster Jar Project. Okay. What are um, you know? So, folks, that's your that's your charge this this weekend. You have an assignment. <laughs> you need to go on those social medias, like, follow, share. You know, just to start to get the awareness out. Get yourself informed, because. You don't know who knows who who's directly involved in this. And unfortunately, not to put the scare factor out there, this could directly impact you. This could be one of your loved ones. Mm-hmm. And I think the more information you have, the more you can make a difference. And we can start to impact what's going on here in San Diego.
1: Amen. Thank you. you know,
0: Susan, I just I'm so grateful for what you're doing. Thank you for doing the work and rolling up your sleeves. You know, it's it's important and it makes a difference. What are what are some parting thoughts? For our network.
1: Oh wow. That everybody is valuable, mm. um, and everyone has a second opportunity once um, they've been knocked down. Um, yeah. The women that that we serve are amazing individuals, and I, I look at them with in, inspiration and admiration because, um, like I said earlier, they live. They've literally survived hell, and they're still they're still standing.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's it, folks. It, everyone has value. Everyone is to be valued. Everyone is to be honored. Get that for yourself and then go share it and have it make a difference for others. This is the Rise Up Network. Get out there and rise up.